today we're going to continue in in first corinthians in chapter 2 we're going to look in verses 6 through 16 today and as we uh, finish this chapter we're still talking about the division that is going on in Corinth and this section or this part of the division that's taking place is centered around the preaching of the gospel um, it is there are other issues that were divisive in Corinth and we'll get to them if the Lord allows us to continue through this book but it's amazing to me how much emphasis is put on the division that is caused by preaching. By preachers who are maybe in some sense watering down the gospel. At this point, even here in the first century church, we sense that there is such division in this church because of preference of preachers when we're preaching the same message I just wonder how much should that really divide us I understand we we just relate more with some than we do others I get that and I get that my preference and because of where we're living today, we have local churches spread all around us. We've got more local churches than what we need right now. Somebody say amen. amen. And it's all about preference with these local churches. So my thoughts is if we're preaching the same gospel, we shouldn't be divided if we're, at a, if we're at different churches, we should still be on one accord, hadn't we? We should still be loving one another and, and praying for one another and, and helping one another. You know what baffles my mind is that we can preach the same gospel and we've got preachers who are set on building their own kingdom. There, what the kingdom of God is really doesn't matter. They're more concerned about their own little kingdom. You can talk with preachers and they don't want to work together because what we're doing and what you're doing just isn't going to blend. I can't understand that. If we're preaching from the same book and we're preaching the same message, shouldn't we be together? I would think so. I, and I, I know there's, if our church loves the music that we're doing and another church loves uh, praise and worship music, it shouldn't divide us. Amen. We should still be supporting one another. Well, it seems like we're not too far from what was going on in Corinth. And there's a reason for that. Part of the reason is spiritual maturity. <laughs> we don't like to talk about those things, but whenever there is an issue in a church, it has to do with spiritual maturity. If the issue is about the preaching, spiritual maturity. If the issue is about, uh, if it's about divorce or remarriage, it's spiritual maturity every issue you find will that that believers have can be f rooted in 
the lack of spiritual maturity. And Paul begins to really deal with this in this passage of Scripture. As we look in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, in these verses 6 and 16, and while you're turning there and finding those verses, I don't know if I called them out wrong earlier, but it's verses 6 through 16 in chapter 2 of 1 Corinthians. Gary Hawkins wrote this in his book. In his book, Move what a thousand churches reveal about spiritual growth now this was his words he said nothing is great has a greater impact on spiritual growth than reflection on scripture if churches could do only one thing to help people at all levels of spiritual maturity grow in their relationship with christ their choice is clear they would inspire, encourage, and equip their people to read the Bible. Specifically, to reflect on Scripture for meaning in their lives. The numbers say most churches are missing the mark right here. He says because only one out of five congregants reflect on Scripture each day. I don't know how that reaches home to you. We, before the pandemic, were looking at about 200 congregants, over 135 members. And that, according to these statistics, it would show about 40 people week in and week out spend time with God in God's word. Now, if these statistics are close, I don't know. I, I, I think they're off according to our church. <laughs> I hope they're off according to our church. But if they're true, can you imagine what those numbers would have looked like in the time in which Paul was writing? As a matter of fact, the only scriptures that were written in that time, we consider them the Old Testament. And so that we are clear, there wasn't a copy in every home. The scriptures were found in the temple. And they were only read by the priest. The people didn't have the scriptures to take home and read and learn about God through. They had to hear it in the temple. So it's no wonder that the Apostle Paul went to great lengths to ensure that the believers in Corinth would have access to information that would help them grow spiritually. Uh, Paul not only wanted the Corinthian believers to know that sound preaching was not about an opportunity to showcase the skill set, but that sound preaching only comes through the submission to the Spirit. But Paul also wanted them to know that the only way to understand sound preaching is through spiritual maturity. The Bible tells us here in these verses, however, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages of our glory, for our glory, 
which none of the rulers for this age knew, for had they known they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it, as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit, for the spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit of who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things yet he himself is rightly judged by no one for who has known the mind of the lord that he may instruct him but we have the mind of christ oh god we thank you for your word we thank you god for your holy spirit that speaks to our hearts god that helps us to to know you and to know about your son and all that he done for us. God, we thank you for the quickening, the awakening of the Holy Spirit in us when we received your son as our Lord and Savior. And God, we thank you for how he moves to reveal you to us when we seek after you and your righteousness. Now, God, be with us throughout this service and open our hearts and minds to hear from you through the power of your Holy Spirit. And God, we ask that you would move through your Holy Spirit upon those who may be with us who don't know you through your son, Jesus Christ. That through this message, they would see a need for your wisdom, for your understanding, and for your knowledge. And that they would seek after you. And that they would make Jesus their Lord and Savior. And God, we'll praise you for all that's accomplished. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. While Paul is writing or has been writing about the preachers and what their focus is to be as they are speaking or as they're sharing God's word, he now turns his attention to the listeners. And he, he see, he's turning his attention to those listeners who have a, a truly a desire to benefit from the preaching of the gospel. Paul is saying that he was preaching to the people and he was speaking God's wisdom. And God's wisdom is not the wisdom of the world, but it is for those who seek to mature in Christ. Now, King James, in his translation, would say, use the word perfect. The word perfect actually means finished or complete. It means to come to maturity. It means to mature. So what Paul is saying is that the person who seeks to mature in Christ is a person who seeks after the wisdom of God. 
Now, those who seek after the world and the world's riches have very little interest in God. As a matter of fact, they're more concerned with living to please themselves than they are living to please God. And because of this, we find in this world, many seek after the world and what this world has to offer. And due to the fact that so many are seeking after the world and what the world has to offer, we find in this passage that God's wisdom is concealed to many. Now, the Bible tells us in Matthew 7 and 13, it says, Wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many, many, let me say that again, many who go in by it. Paul here, he speaks of God's wisdom as being hidden. He actually says that it is spoken in a mystery. Now, God, God's wisdom is anything but strange. That's not what Paul is saying. It's not, the, it's not that kind of mystery. Paul's, uh, not, God's, God's wisdom cannot be known by man. That's what's mysterious about it. it. It has to be revealed. It can't be known by man's own reasoning. Man himself, apart from the Holy Spirit, can open up this book and understand the things of God in this book. We can read it and we can study it. We can, we can do everything we want, but without the Spirit of God being alive within us, we cannot understand understand what God has for us that's the mystery of it it's not open to everyone it's open to those who are seeking after God God has to reveal this he has to reveal his wisdom and and so the question again becomes what is God's wisdom or what is the wisdom of God well we've learned throughout this series that the wisdom of God is the gospel of Jesus Christ it's the gospel of the cross the gospel the wisdom of God tells us that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life And God did this because in his wisdom, he knew we needed to be reconciled to him. And it was going to take a perfect, sinless, once and for all sacrifice. And that day, the sacrificial system of bulls and goats and lambs and birds no longer would suffice for the cover of the sin of the world. And every man... Hear me when I say this clearly. Every man, every woman, every boy, and every girl needs to be reconciled with God. I don't care what these politicians are saying. I don't care what these idiots in this country are saying. It doesn't matter what side of the fence you're on or they're on. Every man... Every woman, every boy, and every girl needs to be reconciled to God. Jeremiah 17 and 7 tells us the heart is wicked above all things. And it, or the heart is deceitful above all things and is desperately wicked. And because of this, the leaders of this world, (laughs) 
They do not know the wisdom of God. They don't understand that God created all life in this world. God spoke the world into existence. God carved man out of the dust of the ground. God breathed life into us and he is God of all and all belongs to him. But we've got leaders in this world. They fail to understand this. Yes, they continue to fail at understanding and believing this. And you know, what I mean is in continuing, it had they had known back then in Jesus' day that Jesus was the Son of God while he walked on earth, they would not have rejected him. They would not have illegal, illegally tried him. They wouldn't have beaten him and crucified him. They, but they rejected the wisdom of God. And today, the leaders of this world are still rejecting the wisdom of God in this country. In this country, this past week, you've probably read it and heard all about it. But our House of Representatives, yes, our, because they were voted in by the people of this country. And we're still here. We're citizens of this country. So they're our representatives. They voted in this Equality Act. I'm so glad that they don't have the final say. There is a Senate that it has to pass. And if it, and right now it don't look like it'll go through that Senate, but mark my words, eventually it will. If it don't this year, eventually it will. This act has nothing to do with equality. It is a sinister act of legislation. And I don't care how much trouble I get in on, 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 get in on Facebook. I don't care how much trouble I get in on YouTube. Really, I don't care if you disagree with me about this today. That's fine. We can talk about it later. But this is a sinister act of legislation. This is not about equality. It's about an attempt to take away our religious liberties. It's, a, it's an attempt to silence or even shut down the local church. Now, you may be thinking, well, they can't shut down the church. For Matthew 16 and 18, Jesus says, and I also say to you that, that you are Peter, and on this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell or the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. I understand that. He's talking about the church, but I want to assure you, the local church can be shut down. Now, I don't know where you stand on this, but I can assure you this is an evil act of legislation. We have leaders in this country that are telling us that there should be no gender, that everything should be gender neutral. They're even printing out Bibles that are gender neutral. Genesis 1 and 27 says when God created man God created man in his own image in the image of God he created him male and female he created them our leaders expect us to understand that children should be able to decide whether they should be male or female isn't that idiotic the problem is that God created them how he desires them to be. Listen, mothers and fathers, or mothers and fathers to be, if God has given you a little boy or has given you a little girl, then God wanted you to have that boy or that girl. Procreation was never intended to be, to be about the parent's choice of what they would have. But God is the giver of life. He has the right. He has the authority to decide on whether we're going to be parents of boys or girls or even both. 
It's his decisions, and his decisions trump the decisions or of, our, of us or even that of the government, our country's leaders. Jesus Christ, he was rejected by the Roman Jewish leaders of his day, and the leaders of the world that we're living in are still continuing to reject him. And their rejection of Christ is proof that their eyes have not seen, nor have their ears heard, and neither has it entered into their hearts the wisdom of God. Because the wisdom of, wisdom of God is prepared for those who are seeking after him. Well, does it bother you? That we're raising our children and grandchildren in a world that is so wicked. That you're expected to teach and administer students in schools that are controlled by the government. And they're wanting you to acknowledge, acknowledge sinister, evil things. I've never... I've never been an advocate for private school. I've never been an advocate for homeschooling. I'm a product of public school. My daughter's a product of public school. But folks, I believe the church, I believe we need to really consider where we're sending our children. We're living in a day, and listen, I know who I'm talking to today. I know that some of you went through things I never went through. And I thank God that you paved the way that I would not have to face it. Some of you face some, some awful times of racism. Some of you face some awful times of discrimination. You were passed over because of, because of the tone of your skin or your last name. I understand that. But my generation hasn't faced that. Not at the level that a generation before me faced it and certainly not at the level generations before them faced it folks we got to learn to thank God that we're not where we used to be praise God that things aren't the way they've always been maybe According to some people, the only reason it's like it is, is because laws that are put in, been put in place. I thank God for those laws. <laughs> and I praise him that he's looking after us. But I can't live in this life with a chip on my shoulder. I can't look at a man because his skin's not as dark as mine and hate that man. I never apologize that I'm a Lumbee Indian. I never apologized that I was born in chapel around Manor Center. A poor boy who came up with nothing. And I don't expect anybody to be ashamed of where they come from. And apologize to me for what something was done years ago that was out of their control. The people of God have to look beyond this world. And what this world is trying to teach us. Because this world is not after 
God. They're not seeking after him. They're seeking after themselves. God's wisdom is not only concealed to many, but what we find is that it is revealed to a few. When we look in this passage, in Matthew 7 and 14, it says, Narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few. (laughs) There are few. But the Bible says there are few who find it. God's wisdom is not off limits. As a matter of fact, Paul shares that the wisdom of God has been revealed through his spirit. Only God's spirit knows the wisdom and the things of God. Human reason can never discover God or the things of God. Paul, he even gives an example here in verse 11. He says, for what man knows the things of man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. For those of us who, whom the Holy Spirit has revealed, the wisdom of God those of us whom the Holy Spirit has revealed the wisdom of the cross the wisdom of the gospel of Jesus Christ it should not shock us it should not shock us when the world rejects us it should not shock us when the world is confused by us it should not shock us when the world doesn't understand that we want to read God's word it should not shock us when the world doesn't understand why we want to obey God's word it should not shock us when the world doesn't understand the joy and the peace that we have in the word of God because the world does not know God and the world doesn't want to know God I've said this several times over the past few years I don't expect the world to act like the church and I don't I don't expect the world to act like anything other than the world I expect the world to reject the people of God. They rejected the Son of God. I expect the world to try to do away with the church. They tried to do away with Jesus Christ, who is head of the church. But I do expect the church to act like the church and not the world. 1 Peter 3, 8 through 9 tells us, Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers. Be tenderhearted. Be courteous. Not returning evil for evil, evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing. Knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. Here, Peter is not talking to the world. As a matter of fact, he's not writing to the world and the church. He's writing to the church. And he's telling us to be of one mind, love one another, be tender to each other. Even when we don't see things eye to eye, understand that everybody's on a different level of spiritual maturity and love each other. The Holy Spirit of God who knows the wisdom of God desires to teach us. But it's until we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, he cannot teach us. Because as long as we reject Jesus, we are rejecting the wisdom of God. And as we're rejecting the wisdom of God, we're saying that it's foolishness to us. To think that we can preach God's word without the Holy Spirit is foolishness. You know, there are men who have been raised in church all their lives. They've watched and they've marveled at how pastors are received by the people. So they decide they, they want to go to school and they want to get the credentials. And, and they, 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 
begin to pastor a church. And in most cases, if not all, they soon find themselves watering down the gospel. They find themselves compromising the gospel. And they do this in an attempt to keep the congregation happy rather than pleasing God. Now, it seems to me somehow they just don't understand what the apostles faced in the first century church. It seems that they, they just don't understand that, that the religious leaders threw the apostles in prison for preaching the gospel of the cross. However, an angel, if you remember in chapter 5 of the book of Acts, we find that an angel of the Lord, it freed Peter and the apostles. And, and what did he tell them to do? Go to the temple and continue to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ when the religious leaders called up to them they asked them again didn't we command you not to teach in this name in Jesus' name oh but I love Peter's boldness because in Acts 5 and 29 he said he and the other apostles said we ought to obey God rather than men and folks we ought to obey God rather than man as long as we reject Jesus, our eyes remain closed to the wisdom of God. Our ears remain shut to the wisdom of God. Our mouths can't speak the truth of the wisdom of God. But when we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, God will immediately send his Holy Spirit to take residence within us. And when we allow the Holy Spirit to lead us, he will give us the wisdom and the boldness to understand through the power of the wisdom of God. And the more we understand, the more spiritually mature we become. Folks, we cannot grow spiritually outside of this book. But we can't grow with this book until we know that we know that we know that we've been born again. Folks, until the Holy Spirit is quickened or awakened within us, we will never understand what God has for us. We must be born again. For when it comes to spiritual things, we're blind and cannot see. We're deaf and cannot hear. We're mute and cannot talk of the wisdom of God. But only when we have received Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, our eyes are open, our ears are open, our mouths are open to the wisdom of God. The power of the Holy Spirit of God teaches those who seek after the mind of Christ. And through obedience to the word of God, we will become spiritually mature. And as we become spiritually mature, we continue to share Christ in this world. Listen, folks, I know this is not what you were expecting. <laughs> but with the shock and awe that we're experiencing in this world, we have to be honest with ourselves and with God. Listen, there's evil. I've said this. There's evil on both sides of the platform. We need to know who we're putting in offices. Do your homework. 
Don't just look at one side and say, that's it. There's evil on both sides. But know what we're doing. Seek God's wisdom. If you know Jesus, he'll give you what you need. (laughs) He's told us in his word that he will never leave us. He'll never forsake us. He's told us that if we will seek, we shall find. If we knock, it will be open to us. So the thing, the best thing we can do right now is pray that the one who's in control of all things, he will move upon the hearts of men and he will change hearts according to his will and according to his way. But if you're here today and you want to understand why it is this means so much to us, I encourage you, get to know this man, Jesus. We can explain it to the best of our ability. Why why we're so passionate about this. But until you experience it for yourself, you'll never know. And I, I remember when I first come here, my first trip, I think, with the, with the children was to, was to a water park in Green, Greensboro. If I'm not mistaken, it's Emerald Point or something. And I looked and I saw a water slide and I said, man, it looks like it would be fun. But it wasn't until I got to the top and come down that water slide that I got to know just how fun it is. We used to go skiing and I, I would watch these guys with shaking in my boots as they're coming down those black widow slopes. Boy, it looks like fun, but it looks dangerous. Got off the ski lift one day And I looked at my daughter. I said, we ought to try it. I was joking. And she said, okay. She took off. (laughs) I said, well, today I'll get to experience it. Because I had to go behind her. Folks, until you come to know this man, Jesus, we can tell you how good it is. (laughs) But your eyes will remain closed. Until you know him for yourself. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Maybe there's somebody here today who wants to know this man, Jesus. Oh, if you truly believe Jesus is the son of God, that he left the splendor of heaven. He come down to this sin-cursed world. That he lived a sinless life and he died for your sins he arose on the third day and he's coming back to receive us unto himself if you believe this and that's the hard part the easy part is just surrendering yourself to him would you today just pray with me God I am a sinner lost without you God I need a savior 
Your word tells me Jesus is the Savior of the world. God, I believe he come to earth born of a virgin. I believe he lived a sinless life. I believe he died for my sins. And he arose for my victory. And I believe he's coming back to receive those who love him to himself. God, today I confess my sins to you. I seek your forgiveness. And God, I thank you. I thank you for the blood that was shed on Calvary's cross to remove my sins. As far from me as the east is from the west. God, I thank you for your son. For through the power of your Holy Spirit, right now I am convicted of my sin. But God, through your Holy Spirit, God, I believe Jesus is your son. And I receive him as my Savior. Thank you, God, for saving me. Now help me to walk in this new light. And I can only walk with you through your Holy Spirit holding my hand. I'm going to trust you. Thank you, God, for saving me. Oh, God, we thank you right now for how you're moving in the lives of people in this place. Speak to us, God. Help us. Help us. Help us, God, to follow you. Oh, if you prayed this prayer while everyone is still praying for you. And you meant it in your heart while they sing this song of invitation. Just come and share with me that today you've been made new. Today, Jesus is your Lord. And that you now are part of God's body. <laughs>